Why do we do these skeptic series each year? In this episode, Pastor David will let us know and then answer questions on the spot. Here's Pastor David. Why do we do this stuff, this skeptics, uh, you know, dear skeptics, skeptics forum, seeking skeptics, all these ones that we do every year? Why do we do this? The reason uh, that we do this, that we answer these questions about God and faith and the Bible and Jesus and the resurrection, all that, the reason that we do this is because there are so many voices in the world, so many voices that are trying to gain your attention, especially the younger you are. They're trying to gain your attention, and there there are philosophies, and there are worldviews, and they're and they're saying, "Come, buy into this, listen to this, you know, base your life on this, whatever it is." Another religion, atheism, agnosticism, scientism, postmodernism, post postmodernism. I could go on and on and on. And they're all saying, "Come here and listen to me. Come here, and 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 we want to, and we want you to live your life this way." And the problem with a lot of those philosophies, with most of those philosophies, is that there's nothing to them. They might look good but it's not, right? They're, they're worthless. And so part of what we're doing as we're walking through these things is we're trying to show the truth about different worldviews and different things that people think and show which ones are just gonna hurt you. And at the same time, we answer the objections of those who object to the truth claims of Jesus Christ. And so we spend our time doing that because we know in our hearts and in our minds as Christ followers that he is real, that God is real, that, he, that justice and hope and peace and love are real, and that they're not just figments of people's imaginations, not just things that we make up, and they're not subjective, right? We know that there is a real hope. We know that we need help. We need help as people. We know that, we know, we know that we're special. Somehow we know that, and yet we know that we're sort of helpless and that we've kind of messed up and that there's a problem and that there, if there is a God, that we're in trouble, and it's important to us through what we're doing in these, in these skeptics, answering these skeptic questions, is to help you know that you're not alone. God has not left you alone. This is not a world of random chance and accident that you just have to go through until someday, by somewhere or another, you happen to die and then disappear into nothingness. That there is something real about who you are. That your body, soul, and spirit, that you're made to be eternal. That you're going to be around for a long time, like forever. And that you want to be around for a long time, like forever, with God who loves you and not separated from him. And that's incredibly important to us. Incredibly important to us. And there's so many good questions that skeptics ask that we want to make sure that we're answering that. So there's nothing that's standing between you and the God who loves you. That there's nothing that would get in the way of you and the God who loves you. No intellectual uh, objection, no complaint. You know, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, my, my question is, why do any good things happen to bad people, which is all of us, right? And yet there's so much of that. And, and we, 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 try to, we try to go and answer these things. And the, but the reason is not because we like to do philosophy or we like to argue or something like that. The reason is we're trying to clear the baggage out of the way that some people have intellectually, so that there's nothing between them and Jesus. So that at the end of the day, they will find Jesus. Because myself and the elders and the, and the deacons and the, all the people at Acts Church, we love Jesus. We love you. Whoever you are, wherever you've come from, this is your first time, this is your 20th time, whoever's listening to this online, whatever it is, we love you. But nothing like the amount that Jesus loves you. 
And it's important that you understand that there is a Jesus, that there is a God, that we are eternal, that, that uh, all of these things that we're talking about have to be answered. And so we've spent the time answering those questions for you, not just so that you would know who Jesus is, but so that you would know him, that he would know you, that he would feed you and clothe you and make you clean and holy and ultimately give you that opportunity to be part of his body, the body of Christ, his church, because we found it to be such an amazing thing in our own lives. To know the joy of being in one accord with your brothers and sisters in Christ is an amazing thing. There is no other full, true joy in this life except for Jesus Christ. Every other joy that you have as a Christ follower flows from that joy that you have in God. You, you before, before knowing God, you may have those, those joys, those stabs of joy that you have, but they're nothing like the joy and the fullness and the peace that comes from knowing him. And so the reason that we do all that we've done is to get anything that's in your way, out of your way. And I, and I kind of plead with people that as you think through these things, for those of you who are skeptics, and we invite that, we want that. We want you to ask the questions. We want you to, to engage. We want you to think. We want you to, to come to your own conclusions. But we, we, just, we, we don't want anything to be in the way of you and Jesus. And so we just ask that you be honest with yourself. Just honest. If, if you've had questions and you've been provided answers, don't come up with new questions and new questions and new questions and push this thing away forever. Don't run from Jesus forever. I know that if you're hearing this, it's because Christ has called you to be here today or to be listening online or whatever it is. And that in being here and in listening online and whatever, he's trying to call you to himself. And so I'd ask you because I've seen it too many times where no matter what you answer, the person just keeps moving those goalposts, keeps moving the prize. Don't. Don't run from Christ because someday we're going to get the opportunity, those of us who follow Christ, to see him face to face. We're saved and redeemed and renewed and justified and clean. And one day, all of this stuff that's rough in life is going to go away. In Revelation 21, 2 through 5, it says this. says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right for these words are true and faithful. Listen, those words are true and faithful. Last week, we talked about the prophecy in the Bible. There's all this prophecy in scripture that's come true, that's come to fruition. That's been that they said a hundred years ago, and it became true. It happened. This is also a prophecy. And let me just tell you, it's going to be proven true. It's going to come true. And if you have not taken that step in your life to repent. And all repent means is you were going this way and you recognized the, that that way just leads to death, that that way just leads to pain, that way just leads to difficulty. And you turn around and you come towards Jesus. If you haven't done that in your life, you're not going to experience this. Instead, you're going to experience separation. You're going to go in the direction that you already headed in, which is to death. And we don't want that. We want you to have true life in Jesus Christ because he does make all things new. He's done it for me. He's done it for so many of the people sitting in this room. And we want him to do it for you. 
That's why we talk about philosophy and science and history and prophecy and the Bible and the reality of resurrection, all these things. That's why we talk about those things, because it's real. If there's anything I can get across to you is that this is not a game. This is not something we come and do because we like to be in a club and people happen to like to be together. It makes them feel better. We're here because this is real, because Jesus is real, because God is real, because Jesus rose from the dead, and that's true, because Jesus loves you, and that's true. Because Jesus can save you, and that's true. We want that for you. And you can talk to me, or probably most of the people sitting around you right now, or if you're listening to this online, or something, you can call into the church, and we can explain to you what it looks like to repent, to turn towards Jesus Christ, and to give your life to him, to believe on him for life. And I hope that ultimately, as a result of listening to these messages, that there's some of you that God's been calling closer to himself and that you've been able to lay down some of these objections and come to know and serve him. So, all right, I'm going to check and see what kind of questions we've gotten. First question, oh, this is a lot of them. Wow. Am I a bad Christian for having questions concerning the Bible? Am I a bad Christian for having questions? So I think this, this question comes from a place that's very fair, because I think for a long time, I, I grew up in the church when I was young, and there was certainly in the culture of church, not necessarily in the church that I was going to, but in the culture of church, there was certainly kind of a, a spirit of don't ask questions. If you ask questions, it means that your faith isn't strong enough, right? that you aren't, you, you aren't really in. You're not really serious about this because you have doubts. Let me just settle something for everybody right now. That's just nonsense. That's just complete nonsense. You are going to... If you don't have any doubts, I have a serious doubt as to whether you've read the Bible. I'll just be honest with you. There's stuff that's hard to work through that you have to, I mean, I, regularly when I'm doing my, my daily Bible reading and so on, I'm running into something there where I'm like, I got to go get some commentaries out and figure out exactly what's going on there. I forgot that that was there and, that, and that's hard to reconcile with this and whatever. And I go through the process and I understand it. But in that moment when I see it, I'm like, what? What is that? What is it talking about? Right? And so the idea that you're not supposed to have any doubts or that you should feel bad if you do, that's nonsense. Completely, completely okay for you to wonder or have questions or even have doubts at some level about the Bible, about what, what you know, all of these kinds of things. Now, when I, let me be clear about what I mean by doubts. I don't mean that you reject God. I don't mean that you say, well, it's all not true until somebody can prove it's all true to me again. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about those moments where you're like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I, if I understand the reasons why I believe these things right this second or why I believe this thing or that thing. That's why we do this. We do this to help you become stronger so that you can give a reason, a defense for your faith, a defense for the hope that is within you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having questions about the Bible. If you don't have questions about the Bible, I'm sorry, but honestly, you probably just haven't read it. And so I would encourage, if you don't have questions about the Bible, start reading your Bible, okay? Because you should. You should have questions. There should be things that if you can understand everything in Scripture that thousands of scholars for thousands of years have struggled with some of this stuff and had to work through it, not in a way that makes us doubt who God is or doubt his plan or doubt any of that kind of stuff, but there's stuff in there that's complicated and difficult where there are multiple ideas about how, what exactly that passage might mean and so on. It's a, in the Psalms it talks about, or the Proverbs, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to seek it out. And there's this idea that, there, that God has made Scripture something that we have to wrestle with in general, kind of like every relationship you have. 
If you've got a relationship with somebody, if you're married or you have a friend or whatever, part of what makes that relationship grow is sort of that rubbing against each other and, and, moving, and moving forward and trying to understand who this person is and struggling with those times. I think God has, has given us that in Scripture at some level so that we'll do that. Because you never wonder about anything. It's all super easy. It can be very easy for God to just be this thing over here. But if you've, got to, if you've got to be serious and believe that this is alive and living, that his word is truth, then you've got to come in and when something doesn't make sense, you've got to wrestle with it. You've got to get in there with God and you've got to figure it out. And so far from being a problem, having questions about God, not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Is there a purgatory or just heaven and hell? Good question. So purgatory is a doctrine. Mostly, I'm not sure if anyone other than the Catholic Church uh, puts that doctrine forward. And essentially, the idea, just to give you the very, very simple um, idea of purgatory is, it would be a place that would be in between. Okay, so you die, you know, um, you know, Sammy dies, and they, you know, she's got a few things that still need to get worked out, right? Doesn't have it all figured out, so we send Sammy to purgatory. And it's not very comfortable, but we're going to kind of burn out some of the issues with Sammy before she's ready to go up to heaven, right? For Sammy, that may be true. I don't know. But, but no, I, I do not believe, I don't believe that scripturally there's good evidence or reason to believe that there's anything called purgatory. In fact, the idea that there would be anything left for you to deal with as far as sin was concerned seems to me to be completely anti-scriptural. When you are in Christ, when you, have, when you have come to him, when you have believed on him, when you have asked him to forgive your sins, the cross was sufficient to do that at that moment, and it's sufficient to do that forever. It's done. There's nothing left for you. There's no, you are not a person who was made for wrath. It's not like you're going to die and that there's going to be all this other you know, sin that you still got to sort of make up for. There's nothing making up for it. Christ paid for it. Now, having said that, there is no question scripturally the time of reward and loss of reward. So when we are before the Bema seat, right? When we're before Jesus and he's judging, he's not going to judge you about whether you're going to heaven or hell if you're in Christ. That's done. But there will be a level of what have you done with the things that I gave you? What'd you do with the money that I gave you? What'd you do with the time that I gave you? What'd you do with the family that I gave you? What'd you do with the job that I gave you? What'd you do with the intelligence that I gave you? What'd you do with the ability to play an instrument that I gave you? What'd you do with whatever? Those questions are going to be asked just like the parable of the talents, right? One had five, one had three, and one had one, right? And they all came back and they had done different things. And one of them had just buried the talent in the ground. And they had to come before the Lord. And he's not real happy with the one they buried in the ground. So you don't want to be that person. Not because you won't be in heaven, but because there will be rewards and loss of rewards. But that's not purgatory. So no, the simple answer is no, I don't believe in purgatory. If God knew we were going to sin anyway, why did he create us with the intention of us being perfect with him in the Garden of Eden? See, that's a good question. And I'm not going to answer it. Okay, no, I will. <laughs> God created us with the intention of being perfect let's say this. God created us to be perfect. He created us good because he creates what's good. He would have, his design or his will would have been for us to be perfect. But we weren't. And of course, he knew that we wouldn't be, right? 
People struggle a lot with this one. And, I, and, and the, the easiest way I've ever been able to deal with it is to say, look, have, has anybody had a kid? Any of you have children? Yeah, a few of you? I, you know, we had children, and, it, and at all times, it would be our desire that they'd be perfect. And at all times, we knew from the very beginning that they wouldn't be, right? That they were going to be beings with their own will. And that beings with their own will were going to do their own thing. And we knew that they would say mean things to us, reject us, you know, especially in those teenage years. Not that my children would ever do anything like that, but some people's children, some people's kids. You knew that that was possible, right? You knew that it was possible that that, that child would, would be difficult. Certainly they were going to do dumb things, right? We, we know that, right? In the same way God knew that the people that he created perfectly, he also created with a will. And that in order to experience any kind of relationship, both parties have to have a will. Even my dogs have a will. I've got one of them, Lewis, who's just the sweetest dog in the world. And he just comes up and he'll just put his head right on your leg if you have food. And he'll just like this. And he's just so sweet. The other dog, Austin, Tiffany's dog. <laughs> She's not here, so I can... Uh, like, he doesn't, he's got his own will, and he doesn't want to come up to me, and he doesn't want to, like, even, even dogs have some level of a will. Certainly human beings do, and God knew that because if the, I wouldn't experience as much love from the dog if, it wasn't, if I didn't know that he also had the option to go run away or to go whatever that he wants to come and hang out with me means something to me, right? Or else I would just get a stuffed dog, Right? If I, if I just wanted the dog to do whatever I wanted it to do all the time, I'd just get a stuffed dog, and I could pet it, and I could do whatever I wanted with it, and I could, or a robot dog, whatever, right? But God didn't make you to be that way. You're not a robot. You have a will. And so you have two things that can happen as a result of that. You can experience true, dynamic, amazing, incredible love, and you can sin. Both have to be able to, be, to occur. And so while God would have, would have loved for you to stay perfect and, and, and created you with the ability to be perfect, and when I say you, I just mean human beings, right? When he first created Adam and Eve, they had the ability to be perfect, but they chose not to be. And in their choosing not to be, that's why we deal with all the rest of the stuff, but also why God was able to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die and redeem all of that. All right, so the story is much bigger than that. But that is why... Even knowing we were going to sin, he loved you so much. Now, because think about it. God's a really good chess player. He knows a lot more moves ahead than you do, like all of them. He knew that in creating human beings, he was going to have to go and suffer and die and let those same human beings kill him in order to save, save them. He knew that at the same moment that he created people. And still he was willing to do it. That's how much he loved you. Not like, oh man, they messed up and now I'm going to have to go do this thing. No, he knew before he said go what it was going to cost him. And it was worth it to him. God's love is truly amazing, isn't it? And our prayer is that these skeptics episodes have helped you understand the truth of that love and draw you closer to him. And of course, if you have any questions about any of this, I hope you'll call us at 360-885-9000. Or come see us this Sunday morning. Get easy directions anytime at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for more Q&A with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.